You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, and unafraid witness. Thank you for listening. Amen, amen. Let's continue standing as we open up the word. We're going to open up in prayer. Father, thank you for the wonderful privilege, the awesome reality to be able to worship you on your birthday. To be able to stop and celebrate the glory of who you are. Father, we pray this afternoon that as we open up your word that you would reveal yourself to us in a fresh way, God, in a real way. God, would you open our hearts to know the full meaning of Christmas. May it not be, may it not escape any one of us. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for just this opportunity now. Speak to us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amazing, it's Christmas. We look forward to it all year and it's finally here. So much to be anticipating at Christmas, isn't there? And every one of us probably anticipates Christmas in a different way, but I think there's something about Christmas that captivates each of our hearts. And, and for some, uh, for some here, it's the Christmas music. That's why we look for, forward for Christmas, Christmas music. Any Christmas music people here? You know, September, you're thinking, man, I can't wait to the Christmas music can start again. And so you get the Christmas music blaring like uh, November 1st, as soon as Halloween's over. And that just sort of does something in your soul. That's why you look forward to Christmas, for the music. And other, others of us, I think we uh, really anticipate Christmas for the, the ambiance of Christmas, the, the Christmas ambiance. And so we start decorating our houses. We get the trees and the lights. And that's what we look forward to most about Christmas is the ambiance things. And others of us, it's the people. You know, Christmas is just an opportunity to, to gather with family and friends and, and coworkers, the work office parties. And so we just, we just love the people thing. That's what we celebrate the most. We just can't wait to get together with all the people again and celebrate Christmas. Either, and others of us, even the kids, I know this is partly you, the gifts. Come on, don't, don't be shy. The gifts, right? And holidays. That's what we look forward to about Christmas. What about this one? Any of you look forward to Christmas for the Christmas movies? Anyone? Come on, be honest. Anyone? I can't put my hand up. My hand's down for sure. But I know for some of the, the Christmas movies, right? And there's something about the Christmas movies that they stir us. And isn't it weird, the Christmas movies, it wasn't great about the Christmas movies, is they, they all seem to revolve around miracles, right? The miracle of Christmas, and that's what we love about Christmas, the miracle of Christmas. And think of the classic Christmas movies like Miracle on 34th Street. Why is it so fascinating for us? Why is it so, such a classic? It's, it's because, you know, Chris Kringle becomes the Santa Claus of Macy's, and somehow he becomes the real Santa Claus, and... Everybody's lives are changed in the process, right? Ah, Christmas movies, miracles of Christmas. Think of all the Christmas miracle movies out there. Titled, some of them entitled Christmas Miracle and the Mr. Miracle and Mrs. Miracle and Maggie's Christmas Miracle and the Christmas Miracle of Jonathan Toomey. They're everywhere. Why, why so hyped about Christmas movies? Here's what I think it is. I think Christmas movies place within us a longing for our own Christmas miracle. Failing to realize sometimes, though, as believers, that, that a Christmas miracle is not something that we hope is to come in this life. It's something that's already come for us in Jesus Christ. Do you realize why we celebrate Christmas? We celebrate Christmas because the greatest miracle has already happened. 
that trumps any Hollywood miracle, and it's this. It's God, in his infinite love, chose to reveal himself to us by sending his very own son to be born of a virgin, to live the sinless death, and to ultimately die on the cross for every one of our sins that we might have a relationship with God. Now that is a Christmas miracle we're celebrating. Amen? Amen? And so often we get caught up in Miracles of what we're hoping is going to happen this Christmas, forgetting that we don't have to hope any longer. Our miracles already come as believers. And so we're just going to continue on with Matthew chapter 1. We've been looking at Matthew chapter 1 as a church the last couple weeks, just getting ready for Christmas. And in Matthew chapter 1, we're going to continue. And here's the miracle of all miracles. And this is for everybody. It's not just for somebody else. It's for every single person. This is what Christmas is truly all about. Let me read uh, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. If you don't have a Bible with you today, please put your hand up. And one of our ushers will be happy to get you a copy of God's Word. If you don't have one at home, Merry Christmas. This is our gift to you uh, this afternoon. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25 Christmas, a miracle for everyone. Here it is. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, Son of David, do not fear. Take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the miracle of all miracles. Four things, quickly, I just want to point out, just a short sermon today, but four things just to set your hearts in the right direction and get your affections, not on the everything else about Christmas, but on Jesus Christ, again, this Christmas season. Number one, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Jesus' birth is supernatural. Here's the miracle. Jesus' birth is supernatural. If you read in the text, it says, it says this to start this. Now the birth of Christ took place in this way. Here's the first Christmas miracle. It's not a Hollywood made-for-TV special. This is fact. This is reality. In fact, we have more evidence to show us that this actually happened than we have for people that we commonly associate with, with reality. And we sometimes have a hard time saying, well, is Jesus really real? There's more evidence for this than people like, than even for Plato and Caesar. This is true. This is real. This is how it all went down from the beginning. Let me summarize for you verse 18 in my own words. In the version that God gave us, we knew how Christmas really happened. Two young people, Mary and Joseph, young by our standards, probably Mary around 14, Joseph maybe a little older than that, they're engaged to be married. This is a big deal in, in this time. It wasn't like our day and age where, you know, no ring, no thing, and just a little superficial promise. This is like when you're engaged, like you are married, but not officially married. So what happened is the groom's family would give a dowry to the bride's family, and that's like, that's it, that's, deal, that's the deal, this is official. But then they'd have a year of engagement before they actually lived together and consummated the marriage. 
The year apart would kind of solidify the faithfulness of the husband and the wife and, and get everything, make sure the pure, purity was all in order. At the end of that year, the husband would go with all the pomp and parade, go get his wife, they'd have a ceremony, and then, then they'd consummate it and be married. And so this whole reality of Jesus came in the period where there was an engagement period before Mary and Joseph had ever been together. You already getting the sense of the miracle? You getting the sense of the miracle? Generally, for a child to be born, you guys look like you're not with me. I mean, do I have to explain this to you from kindergarten? <laughs> Takes a husband and a wife, a man and a woman. And so what's happening here is, is we know from Luke chapter, from the book of Luke that, that an angel of the Lord appeared to Mary in this, in this betrothal period. She, angel of the Lord appeared to Mary and said, Hey, Mary, you're going to carry the Son of God. Mary's like, What? I, I, I don't... How? What? But it says she believed. Took the pregnancy test, and sure enough, positive. Can you imagine Mary's perspective on Christmas? <laughs> Miracle. She wasn't looking for an alternative explanation. She wasn't trying to find her way around this thing. Plain and simple, this is a miracle. And this is how God chose to send his very own son into the world through a virgin birth, a miracle that we wouldn't doubt. Is this really God? They wouldn't be confused. Is this the true Messiah coming? Absolutely. And he did it through a miracle. So as believers, we make a big deal about the virgin birth. Why? Because we miss the virgin birth. We miss all of who God is. We miss the rest of the story. The story is that God chose to enter into our world through the womb of a virgin by the Holy Spirit. Why, why the virgin birth? Why would God choose to come into the world this way? There's a lot of theological reasons, but there's a lot of reasons for our own lives, too, that we have to grab a hold of. Here's four reasons why the virgin birth happened in the way it did, why God chose to allow us to happen the way it did. Here's number one. Why did Jesus come into the world this way? Number one, it highlights the supernatural. Confirms for us that Jesus is not just from God, that Jesus is God. Number two, it emphasizes humanity's need of a savior. Shows us that man, our human race is so messed up that God had to do something. He had to step in and rescue us from our sin because we are powerless to do so in and of ourselves. Number three, it puts a spotlight on God's love and God's grace. Christmas isn't a hallmark holiday, Christmas is God's plan, God initiated, God ordained. It puts a spotlight on the love and the grace of God. Number four, it's the only way that one person could be fully human and fully divine. The only way that God could be fully human and fully divine, Jesus Christ can only be fully human and fully divine, is through a virgin birth. This is paramount for your life. This is paramount for the story of God throughout all of history because as fully God, Jesus would be able to pay the eternal penalty for our sins of which we cannot possibly pay. But as fully human, he could be our adequate representative and substitutionary sacrifice before God. The virgin birth isn't something that we just slough off as a minor detail in the Christmas story. This is the miracle of Christmas. As John MacArthur says, real incarnation, which is God in the flesh, 
demands a real virgin birth. This is the miracle of all miracles. This is why we celebrate all the other movies about miracles. They all come from the trying to replicate this miracle right here. Isn't it amazing to me that we're all looking for Christmas miracles and we see them all over the place and yet when it comes to the virgin birth, we're like, I don't know. I don't know, is it for real? But then we hear stories of Christmas miracles around the world and, and we're quick to buy into those and pass those around on Facebook. And Interesting, isn't it? As I was doing research for this sermon, I was, trying to, I was researching Christmas miracles and, and one of the Christmas miracle stories that really captivated my, my attention was a story of a little boy named um, Marco Duschek, um, who's a little boy from, from Austria. And... Uh, Right before his, uh, when he was seven years old, right before his, his right before Christmas when he was seven, um, he got a malignant tumor upon his spine that crushed his spine so that his, basically his spine was being held, held together by a thread. Devastating for the parents and, and doctors all across Europe said there's no way this kid will ever walk again. He's going to be bound to a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Uh, yet wouldn't you know it, wouldn't you know it, like a week before Christmas, talk about Christmas miracles, a week before Christmas, this little boy like punched modern medicine right in the face by getting up and walking across his hospital room on basically a thread for a spine. Wild, hey? True story. No one's ever done that before. Doctors are mystified. I guess how many people have done it since? Zero. Read those stories like, wow, Christmas miracle, and yet the Christmas miracle of all miracles? We're like, I don't know. Think anyone's ever going to believe if I tell them? Jesus came, born of a virgin, that he could be fully God and fully man and atone for our sins. It's true, it's real. And if you know anything about God, it doesn't, it's, not even a, it's not even a crazy scenario if you know anything about God. Think about this. Is this possible? Absolutely it's possible. Think about this. If God can create the universe in six days and rest on the seventh just by a word, don't you think he can, by the Holy Spirit, put a seed in a woman to create a baby? If God made all the human race, you and I included, but by, the, but by his breath through dust, he made man and then took a rib out of man and made woman, don't you think God can give us his son through a virgin birth? God can allow a little seven-year-old boy with no spine to walk across a room. Surely God can give us a virgin birth. Brothers and sisters, we don't have to wonder if this is true. We celebrate that this is true. And this gives meaning to all of our Christmas festivities as we go throughout this season. Jesus' birth is supernatural. The greatest Christmas miracle ever. Look at verse 19, though. You're sitting here today and you're like, man, I sound so good. I just want to believe. I just can't. And it sounds more like a kid's story, a fairy tale than the real thing. If you're here today and you're struggling with doubts, and even if you're a good Christian, we all struggle with our doubts sometimes, right? Like, this is kind of a hard, logical pill to swallow sometimes. Like, it just, if you're in that place today, don't feel so bad because look at Joseph's reaction. He was in the exact same place you are, like, for real? Can this really be possible? Look at verse 19. And Joseph, her husband, 
being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So we know Mary's reaction, right? Mary's like, from Luke, like, I believe. Joseph gets this news. Remember, he's engaged. He's a just man. So he's holy. He wants to seek God. He's just a man on the other side of that, right? Like, he's just like you or I. Can you imagine if, if your fiancé told you, like, by the way, I'm pregnant? Oh, it must be from the Lord through the Holy Spirit. <laughs> what? Oh, uh, who? How? Like, it wasn't from this kid. This isn't going to look good for you, Mary. It's not going to look good for me. So Joseph's like, We're, I'm just going to like quietly walk away. I'm just going to end this. He's a good man, right? He didn't want to bring his wife to public shame. He didn't want to take her to the, 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 the courts and, and right at the city gates where the judges were. If he took her to there, she'd probably be tried for convicted of adultery and be stoned. So he's like, I'm just going to quietly divorce her. But in his head in verse 19, he's just, you can just see the dots aren't connecting. It's just like, ah, something's off. So hard to understand. The Christmas story, and I think that's what holds a lot of us back from worshiping Jesus fully at Christmas. We, it's just hard to fully understand. So it keeps us from sharing Jesus at Christmas. Well, people understand. You look at Joseph's response, and it's very typical. Joseph's response is typical to how most people respond to the Christmas story. Even in our day and age, most people respond with, no way, there's no possible way. I was thinking about that and thinking about how people today respond to the Christmas story, which is so crucial to our lives. As I thought about it, there's, I think there's four types of responses to the Christmas story, and I even want you to diagnose your own heart tonight and see which one you are as you sit here. But to know the full meaning of Christmas means you've got to get this part straight, your response to the Christmas story. Here's the first way most people respond today, the Christmas story. Ah, it's just a fable. It's just a fable. It's like Uncle Frank's fish stories. The fish just keeps getting bigger and bigger every year, and someone made it up for sure. Do you realize, though, that if someone made this up, this is, the, this is the greatest story ever told because it's still going and it's still changing people's lives today. Even if you look at the account of Matthew's account of, from verses 18 to 25, it's not very long how he describes the virgin birth. You'd think if it was a made-up story, he'd go into all kinds of detail and trying to glamour it up a little bit and make it believable. You ever had parents, one of your kids, come in and tell you a story that you know is not true, and they're just like going on and on and on and on and on and on, and you're like, at the end, you're like, that's a lie. They're like, how'd you know? Because you kept talking, and none of it made sense. It just, it, part of the reality we know this isn't, this isn't a fable is that it's so clear and so succinct, and so this is just the facts. Here's the other way people respond. It's fallacy. This is fallacy. There's just no way this could possibly happen. I just don't believe it. I'm not going to believe it. Just too crazy. And yet then I watch how many people post all kinds of crazy stories on Facebook and through social media that they believe are true. Can't believe the virgin birth, but I believe that an eagle picked up a little kid in the downtown of Montreal and flew off with them. You're like, really? Wow. We buy into all the conspiracy theories and some people just believe it's fallacy. They just don't want to believe it's true. Not even open to the fact that it could be true. Others would believe that it's for somebody else. Sounds good. If you want to believe that, go ahead, but leave me out of this thing. As long as it makes you happy, like I'm into Christmas, it's a tradition though, just a sentiment, but don't bring Jesus in. 
Some people think it's for somebody else. Or others of us, by God's grace, have been blessed enough to have our eyes open to see this reality that this is fact. It's not fable, it's not fallacy, it's not for somebody else. This is fact and it's for me. It's God's gift to me. It's God's greatest miracle for me right here, right now, every Christmas. This is what it's all about. And this fact, let me encourage you with today, is for every man, woman, and child on this planet. The fact of Jesus is, is, is it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you look like or what your, your race is or where your descendants came from or what your social, socioeconomic background is. This is for everyone. This fact is for you this evening. And here's what the facts state. Look at the next few verses. Jesus' birth is supernatural. Joseph's response is typical. The angel's announcement is phenomenal. This is the meat of the text here. The angel's announcement is phenomenal. Joseph decides he's going to divorce her because he's a just man. He doesn't want to bring shame to himself or her. He still loves her, but look what he says. Look, it says in verse 20. But as he, considered the, as he considered these things, can you imagine? You get the news. He's laying awake at night going like, for real? Like, what, what? I can't fathom this for real. He goes to sleep, and as he goes to sleep, look, behold. Behold means like, whoa. An angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream. Well, that's just another part of the story that doesn't make any sense. I can't believe it. If God can create our human brains, surely he can put a dream in our heads and our hearts. Notice this, God's dreams always affirm who he is and confirm his message. And God's still doing this. He did this in the Bible. He, could, he spoke with dreams. He's still doing this today. Not these wild, wacky dreams, but they always uh, uh, affirm who he is and confirm what he says through his word. So he speaks through a dream, and he says this, Joseph, son of David, do not fear, but take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She's going to bear you a son. You're going to call his name Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sins. It actually fulfills prophecy, he says in verse 23. And, and his name is Emmanuel, which is going to mean God with us. It's like an angel announcement, but this is sort of like the first Christmas card that ever went out. From God to Joseph, and it wasn't filled with all these nice little warm, cushy sentiments of like snowflakes and fireplaces and Santa's hats. This is filled with a, a, a real life-changing message. A phenomenal message that simply affirms the reality of what's happening. It identifies who Jesus is and it fulfills prophecy. Look at all this contained in this angel's message to Joseph. God's like, hey, 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 Joseph, like, Mary's not lying. This isn't a made-up scam. This isn't some sort of scandal. This is true. Mary is conceiving my son. You're not the father, but you're gonna be the father. This is how God's ordained this whole thing to go down. And it's awesome. 
Here's, here's what your son's name is going to be. It's going to be Jesus. It's going to be Emmanuel. In other words, when, when you, his birth certificate comes, this is what's going to be on it. Jesus is going to be on it. Emmanuel is going to be on it. This is what's going to be stamped in his passport so that you know for sure how spectacular this miracle is. Here's what Jesus means. I shared this with you last week. If you come to our church, this is what Jesus means. It means Yahweh saves. Miracle of all miracles, Yahweh saves. Jesus is going to come and save the world from their sins. Back in this time, the Jewish people have been waiting for year after year after year. When's the Messiah coming? He's going to physically liberate us and we're going to be a free nation. God says, Joseph, Joseph is going to be so much greater than liberating a free nation. And Jesus is going to come and liberate souls from the power of sin, the consequences of death, and he's going to save their souls for all of eternity. Sometimes we get so caught up in the little baby in a manger at Christmas, we forget the full reality of who Jesus is and why he came, that little baby in a manger, the cute little cuddly baby in a manger, we all want to pull out, we all want to cuddle. That little baby grew up, was a carpenter, lived a sinless life, was baptized, called by God, gave himself up on the cross for the sins of the world because we so desperately need a savior. And it all started Christmas Well, why did Jesus die on the cross? Ultimately, because we are sinful people, your pastor included. Because we're so sinful, we can't get ourselves to God on our own. We needed Jesus to do it for us. You know what sinful means? It means that we such a, have an evil propensity within us. That even the days we try to do what's right, we seem to always do what's wrong. Thinking the wrong thoughts. Letting hurtful words come out of our lips. Hands and feet that rush to evil. Even your best days, you look back, you're like, oh, if only I could have. You know, it just shows you that you need a Savior, and that Savior's come at Christmas. Not only has He come to save you from your sins, look what else His name is. It's Emmanuel, God with us. I think sometimes we've been in church long enough, we kind of skip, back, skip past this, this name of God, the meaning. But think about this Emmanuel. Hear it with me, hear it with me. God with us. God with us. If you don't think that God can save you from all of your wicked sins, that's a miracle. But the fact that God is actually with us, a miracle in and of itself. Think how perfect and holy heaven is. God loves us enough that he would choose to come exit heaven and enter into this corrupt earth that he would rub shoulders with those that he loves, his children. This is an awesome reality of Christmas. God with us. Some people think that God is a CEO with all the power sitting up in heaven, disconnected from the people, rubber stamping his plans, ruling with an iron fist. That's not God. The God that, of the Bible, the God that we serve is a God who's willing to enter into it all and rub shoulders and, and know and care for and identify with his people. Yes, he has all power. Yes, he calls all the shots. Yes, he's transcendent, high above us, but he's also imminent and intimate with his people. This is a game changer for us. If you have no other reason to celebrate this Christmas, here it is, God with us. It means that God is ever-present with us in our times of trouble. 
God is ever present with us in our times of trouble. We're not naive enough to think that everyone walks in here with a joyful heart. Christmas is hard. There's troubles. Where is, every, where is God in my troubles? He's with you in your troubles, right beside you, caring for you. The message of Christmas means that we have a God that sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. He's not up in heaven going, all oh, those stupid people again. He sympathizes with us. He understands and he knows. God with us means that God stands with us in our faults and our failures. When everybody else runs away and abandons us, guess what God does? God is coming to us and rushing towards us. Emmanuel, God with us. He's a loving father that is there for his children every step of the way and every hardship and every victory and every, and every, and every win in our lives. God is there because he came as a baby born of a virgin to be among his people. Take solace in that this Christmas. Still having trouble believing that this is true? Look at the next verse, verse 23, 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. This is a direct quote from Isaiah 7, 14. 700 years before Jesus was born, to make sure we didn't miss the full reality of who he was, God's like, hey, when Jesus comes, when the Messiah comes, this is what he's gonna look like. He's gonna be born of a virgin, that was even unusual in that day, believe it or not. Like, science can't figure that out, right? And you're going to call his name Emmanuel. 700 years before he was born, just the fact that this one verse came true is like a, ah! And yet eight times in Matthew, it says to, that this might be fulfilled. 18 Bible prophecies fulfilled in Jesus' birth. Confirming who he is and what he's come to do. Micah 5.2 tells you he's going to be born in Bethlehem, also around 700 years before Jesus was born. Going to be a born of a virgin, going to be called Emmanuel, going to be born in Bethlehem. Like already, I hope you're going like, wow, what are the chances of that? Before we had our kids, Ruth and I would sit around and be like, I wonder what our kids are going to be like. I bet you're going to have brown hair and blah, 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 blah. We, we didn't get any of it right. God surprised us with every single one of them. And yet three things right here, yet it goes on. 1,400 years before Jesus was born in Genesis 49, God tells us the Messiah would come from the tribe of Judah. In Psalms 73, the king, that kings would come and present gifts at his birth. We three kings of, we still sing about it. It says in Jeremiah 31, 15, that there would be going to be children killed after Jesus was born. Of we, which we know now that Herod had a decree to do away with all that were a threat to his throne, the firstborn of what, because he thought Jesus was a threat to his throne. Hosea chapter 1, 11 verse 1, that, that the Messiah was going to flee to Egypt. We know that Jesus' parents ran to Egypt in the midst of the persecution. Isaiah tells us that he was going to be born a poor child. We know that Mary was, comes from Nazareth, one of the poorest places in the country. And that he'd be filled with the spirit from birth. This is all to prove to you that you don't need to look for your miracle any longer, brothers and sisters. Your miracle's here. He's here. This is amazing. Think of all the technology we have today. The weathermen can't even predict what tomorrow's weather's gonna be. All the sportscasters never predict, can predict properly who's gonna win the games. And yet God predicted, God showed us Jesus Christ that we wouldn't miss this miracle. What an awesome, life-changing message at Christmas. Jesus Christ, 
is the Son of God, came to save you from your sins and be God with you. Sir James Simpson, the famous Edinburgh physician who discovered chloroform and its chloroform and its use as an anesthetic, he was asked once, he's like, hey, what's your greatest discovery, doctor? What's your greatest discovery? You know what he said? That I have a savior. My greatest discovery is that I have a savior. This is the full meaning of Christmas. Finally, look at this. Look at this, Joseph's radical response. We saw his initial reaction, but here's his Radical response at the end. Verse 24. When Joseph woke up from his sleep, he did as the angel Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is an important part of the story that we can't miss. It's an important reality that we have to understand if we're going to fully respond the way God wants us to respond to Christmas. So no one would have blamed Joseph if he would have like joined the next gypsy group and got on a caravan and left the town and never came back. No one would have, no one would have, no one would have been like, Joseph, what a fool. But yet, look at Joseph's response. He hears from God, and he doubts at first, but he hears from God. And so what does he do? He joyfully embraces the gift God gave him with all that he has. Look what he does. He marries Mary. Ooh, this is going to cause some eyebrows to be raised around town. Mom and dad might not understand this whole thing, but you know what he does? He marries Mary. He took Jesus to be his son. He adopted Jesus in. Knowing it's not his son, he adopted Jesus in and cared for him and took him as one of his, and took him as his own. He calls his name Jesus. He calls his name Jesus. Think about this. If you're gonna, anyone here ever think about his parents, like maybe I should call my kid Jesus. No way. Think of the risk involved with calling his son Jesus. Like, like Yahweh saves Emmanuel, God with us. Like, like if this isn't true, man, he's going to be a laughingstock his whole life. People are going to ostracize me and my family. And yet, look at the faith. He just basically says, you know what? I'm just going to go all in. God says it. I believe it. I'm going to embrace this wonderful miracle as my own this Christmas. And I'm going to walk in immediate obedience to Jesus Christ. I'm going to walk in immediate worship of all that God has done in my life. Basically what he did is he grabbed a hold of Jesus and never looked back. He grabbed right a hold of Jesus and never looked back. One of my favorite parts of Christmas is watching around the tree as gifts are opened. You can tell right away whether the gift is a hit or a flop by the smile on the kid's face. And by the way that they either embrace the gift or they shove it back under the tree and say, thanks, Dad, where's the next one? Greatest joy as a parent is when you get that winner, you know, and your kid opens it up, and they're like, oh, like you didn't know. Dad, look what you got me. I wrapped it, son, I know. <laughs> Yay, take a picture, take a picture. That just does so much to a parent's heart. The other side of that, the, the disappointing ones, are the, you're all anticipating, they're going to like it, they're going to like it, and they're like, oh, it said from Dad, are you sure it's from, not from Grandma? It's kind of like an ugly sweater like I got last year. No, it's for me, it's for me. Oh, thanks, Dad. Kiss, kiss. Can I find the next one? How, how does God want us to respond to Christmas? He wants, wants us to respond just like Joseph did, 
Embrace the gift with joy, with enthusiasm, and hold tight to Jesus for all you're worth for the rest of your life. So many of us have heard this story before. You, you know the story. I'm not telling you anything brand new. And yet what you've done year after year with this awesome reality, this awesome miracle that's for you, you've looked at it, you've seen it, and you've shoved it under the tree thinking, you know what, there's going to be something better coming next. I think I'm going to choose to put my hope in that gift. I want to find that that gift never satisfies and Christmas comes around again and you're still looking for your Christmas miracle, forgetting your Christmas miracle's already come and all you have to do is open it and embrace Jesus. Accept, believe, and confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord. Confess your sins before God. Put your faith in Jesus and confess he's Lord. That's what it means to embrace Jesus. That's what it means to follow Joseph's example. That's what it means to know the full reality of Christmas, to embrace Jesus Christ. We do a lot of talk about the, the hope and the joy and the love and the peace, the advents of Christmas. But do you realize this, brothers and sisters, the advents of Christmas don't come until you embrace the gift. Because Jesus is our love and hope and joy and peace. Jesus is our everything. You grab a hold of Jesus, you get all those things. You don't grab a hold of Jesus, you shove him back in the corner and go for something else. You'll never have the full reality of what God intended Christmas to be in your life for his glory. And so God, again, this Christmas just reminds us of the full reality of what Christmas is. And he says again, take this gift again, delight in me, open, open up all the treasures of Jesus and delight yourself in the Lord above all else and you will have a Christmas like no other. And you will celebrate, like not like the world celebrates. We have more reason to celebrate than anybody else. Our parties take on more meaning. Our meals take on more significance. Why? Because we have Jesus. And in Jesus, we have everything we've longed for. Forgiveness of sins. Guilt and shame are gone. Reconciliation with our Father. And all the spiritual blessings that Jesus can give. They're ours. This is our miracle. If you're a believer here today and you're still looking for your miracle, you gotta stop looking for your miracle. This is your miracle. Your miracle's not gonna come. Your miracle has come. Worship. Stand in awe. Let God again captivate your hearts to the full reality of Christmas. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior here today, you keep wondering why Christmas passes you by, passes you by, passes you by. Don't let this message pass you by today. Humble yourself, admit you need Jesus, and embrace the greatest Christmas miracle you will ever encounter. This is what Christmas is all about. This is Christmas. In the words of C.S. Lewis, the Son of God became man to enable men to become the sons of God. And this is why we sing and this is why we have permagrins on our faces. And this is why we can't sleep at night because we've been given Jesus. We don't deserve him. But God in his grace and his mercy has offered us greatest gift, greatest miracle we could ever begin to imagine. Let me pray as the worship team comes. God, I pray this afternoon, that you would just allow these words to penetrate every single heart here, including mine. 
Father, would you allow us to see the wonder of who you are? God, would we, be, would we be, find our eternal satisfaction in the person of Jesus Christ? God, will we no longer look somewhere else for what only you can give, but instead, oh God, may we spend this day and tomorrow and the days ahead on our knees in humble worship and adoration for all that you are and all that you've given us in Jesus Christ. Oh God, this is, this is what makes Christmas Christmas. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. That you haven't just chosen to give us the miracle, but you've chosen to reveal yourself to us through this person of Jesus over and over and over again. I beg of you, O oh Lord, to allow us just in this moment now to have every heart here aligned and attuned and alive in Jesus Christ, in your holy name. Amen.